Cheers, y'all. Well, 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 well. Welcome, my friends, to this episode, episode number 188 of the world-famous Smoking and Toasting. We're halfway to 200. Yes, sir. We are uh, the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork and Fort Worth. Uh, and they are open for dining, so uh, with social uh, distancing, you know, strictures in place. So it's a good thing. Uh, good, good to have them back. Pretty uh, awesome. And remember, if you're, uh, if you're not wanting to actually be in that social situation, you can go in their butcher shop. That's right. And can, go get the go get your steak of your dreams and go cook it yourself. You can be social at home. So, That's right. Uh, so yeah. So like my wife's birthday is coming up, and I was asking her yesterday. I was like, so are are we to the place where we feel comfortable, like going out to a restaurant for a birthday dinner? We had our anniversary, you know, several weeks ago, and what we did was we, you know, kind of splurged on a. Uh, a nice dinner from a steakhouse, but I went by and picked it up curbside and right, ate it at home, right. you know? And, and that was nice. It was it was different. But, like, are we ready to go back out? We haven't decided. I don't know. You know, different people are kind of stepping carefully back out in the, into the world at different times. And, you know, you and I are here in the studio, but, of course, we're, you know, appropriately distanced and all of that. So, I, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to figure it out. You know, where, so, where are you at on this? So, thing? for people who are going, I just want to point out a couple things. So, and this is probably not our audience because I see it. With a whole bunch of people who are not really our audience. But if you're going to go out in public, you're going to wear a mask. I think it's a good idea. I've been wearing a mask. Generally speaking, if I'm going to be in a place where I'm going to be closer than six feet to anybody. Um, If I'm walking down the street, I don't feel like I need to wear a mask if there's nobody around me. If there's nobody around, sure, yeah. So I think a little self-isolation is is an okay thing. Uh, But if I'm going to be in a public place, a restaurant, a a shopping place, establishment, whether it's a grocery store or whatever, I wear a mask. I can't tell you how many people I see wearing a mask and the mask goes under oh, their I know. nose. I don't understand what it at all. What the hell could just, you even no. be thinking? I was even thinking, should we do Mask 101 on the show today? But, yeah, it's not really our I thing, mean, like, so. that's amazing to me. That's I will tell you, I went by uh, uh, Casa de Monte Cristo. Uh, earlier today, stopped by and saw our friend Steve there, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, who manages the the shop that's at uh, six ten and and uh, uh, Westheimer ish, yeah, just on, south of on, Westheimer, on, yeah. in Houston. And uh, so I asked Steve, who's you know always a fun guy to talk to. I was like, so so man, how you doing? He goes, well, I'm better now. And he then proceeded to tell me that you know they're having all of their employees wear masks, which mm-hmm. is you know a good precaution, right? But he said he's better now because he got one of those masks that like wraps around your neck and you pull it up. Oh, I've got one of those. Yeah, the, right. The neck gator, As yeah. opposed to the ones like like I've got this that's one. What which I, you that's what put I over usually wear because then you right. can just leave it on your neck. Well, and he was saying it's better for him because to smoke a cigar he can just go whoop, take a puff, exhale, and back up. Well, if you follow the the logic of the people that put the uh, the mask under their nose, if you want to wear a mask and smoke a cigar, just cut a hole in it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it'll make just as much sense. <laughs> exactly as much sense. I think you're probably right. <laughs> Speaking of things that don't make much sense, we've got 187 episodes under our belt, and we're on 188 today, as Ian pointed out, halfway to 200. Halfway to 200. Uh, and we have, uh, I think, got a really uh, good little show for you today. We're going to talk about great bourbons to drink right now. On the right program. now. Yep. And uh, also, one of the things we've been teasing for the last couple of weeks and haven't gotten to, and I promise that we will today, is uh, the tastes, the flavors, the styles that are most popular uh, among craft beer drinkers. 
So we never got to that last week, did we? Oh, I no. talked about it. We never no, got we, to. No, we we've threatened uh we have threatened the uh the right now one for this is our third week yeah, that we have to actually get to it. That's just bad show management yeah. on my part. That's <laughs> well, all that is. Uh, so we got I, I like that we can just blame you. Yes, and 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 we should. Uh we got all of that coming up on the show plus we do have drinking news today. We'll tell you about a virtual tap room that lets you drink with your buddies if you're trying to stay home still, uh which is, you know, not necessarily a bad idea. And tastings on the show today really excited about this from Urban Chestnut Brewing in St. Louis. Their Urban Underdog American Lager will be what we open with this week uh, from Paso Robles, California. Firestone Walker's Luponic Distortion IPA that was released in February 2020. Now, Luponic Distortion is a series, yes. and they were numbering them, but they seem to have stopped numbering. So I had a hard time figuring out what the name of this beer was, other than just Luponic, luponic distortion. distortion right. We've had luponic distortion, the, one of the previous releases mm-hmm. on the show before, but this one looks really interesting. And I was going to say luponic distortion, and then list the three sort of flavors that they uh, that they list, like kiwi and something and something. But I couldn't pronounce the last one, so I, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how to pronounce that. I'll sound like an idiot. Let's it's just going to happen at some point. Luponic right? distortion IPA, February twenty twenty. And then from Worthington, Ohio, Zaftig Brewing's Bourbon Barrel Aged Wee Heavy Scottish Ale, Ooh, which I think is uh, that's probably right up, my alley, right up your alley. Yes, sir. So looking forward to that. And then uh, a bourbon on the show today as we talk to you about eight uh, great bourbons to drink right now. We right might, now. We might add a ninth here, depending on how this one tastes. I have I see not. That smooth Ambler. Is that what that's Yes, says? Smooth Ambler. It's uh, their contradiction bourbon. It is a uh, mixed bourbon, but Smooth Ambler was named like USA Today's uh, uh, top uh, micro distillery, top whiskey distillery. What does it say on the? It says that on that little, that little wrap around the it says top. America's best craft dis- whiskey distillery, USA Today ten best. Yeah, so that's that's not a bad uh, Reader's endorsement. Reader's Choice uh, twenty eighteen Smooth right. Ambler. So it's not a bad a bad endorsement. So we'll get to that uh, as the program matures and continues, and we're really excited about that. Plus, I mentioned drinking news; it's a doozy today. So we'll be we'll be looking that. forward to that. But we must start drinking first. So, um, so Ian, it's great to be back in the studio. We're uh, lining up some guests for the next several shows, I hope, and um, so excited about that. But it's just you and me today, and I thought this is a perfect time to inquire if you'd had anything uh, interesting to smoke this week. Let me think about that for a minute. Yes, I had a yes. fig. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Yeah. So uh, I've been on a mission to try and refill my humidor a little bit. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that last uh, week, right? So I bought I bought some lawnmowers and I caught a couple things on sale and that was good. So I'm getting there. I'm mm-hmm. getting there a little bit at a time. I still haven't made it back down to uh, to hang out with Alan, uh, which I may do this uh, tomorrow or the next. Uh, and make that happen. So let's see. I did go. Uh, you know, it's funny because I missed you at uh, Casa de Monte Cristo this morning. I was, yeah, I think we crossed paths. I I went, but I didn't stay. I got a cigar. And yeah, and I was to just. Steve and I, 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 go, I like that little back corner. Like you go into mm-hmm. the little uh, lounge there, and there's a little back corner, and there was nobody in the lounge, and I like it because it's just isolated. I'm, I'm less distracted by anything, and I just have me time. If I had realized you were there, I would have come into the lounge. And then started having a really annoying and loud conversation with someone else on my phone. Just on speakerphone. On speakerphone, yeah. Just. Like, I love it when people do the speakerphone <laughs> thing in a small room. Yeah. And they hold the speakerphone by their face. Yes. Like, with the same muscles that you hold it by your face and yeah. have it on speakerphone, you could hold it to your ear. And yeah. then we only hear half of your annoying shithead and, conversation. And that's annoying enough, I'll that's, say. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, but that's not fully 
yeah. the true annoyance. Exactly. It's so. super annoying when you uh, when you get the. Uh, the speakerphone guy. Mm, oh yeah, that I, wants ever, and he's got it cranked up yeah, too. And and you hear him say, "Well, well, what did they all do?" You know the the oh, speakerphone yeah, Charlie people, Brown's don't teacher. Do that. uh, That's just like look, get a Bluetooth earpiece. Right. They're not they're cheap. You right. can get one for like twenty to thirty dollars. It works yeah. great. You stick it in your ear, and we only hear half of your. Annoying conversation. Or, here's another idea. Go outside to talk on the phone. Yeah, that's what I generally yeah, try. Yeah. Or talk low. Yeah, or talk low. If you yeah. can't hear me, you know, like, uh, my wife has hearing issues, too. She can turn her phone up. If she can't hear me, I'm like, baby, okay, I'll call you back in a little <laughs> bit. And she goes, okay. Yeah. Like, that's actually it's, how it's, that works. It's not that hard, really. But, you know, the argument would be, but this is a business call. Oh, yeah. Go outside. Yeah, go outside. Do business. Exactly. Well, uh, what was your business, cigar-wise, as you enjoyed yourself without me uh, talking loudly on the phone? (laughs) Sorry after that rant. Those (laughs) people really drive me nuts. Uh Like, really, like, crazy. And you know what's fun to do is you stand next to them, you start answering their questions. Yeah. (laughs) And then you realize- Especially when they're on, like, an elevator or somewhere where you can't get away from, Uh uh-huh. And you just look them dead in the eye the whole time they're doing it, and they look annoyed at you because they're like, they're like I'm, I'm, I'm on the talking phone. on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you interrupting my speech? Anyway, I'm okay. done with that. Okay. Uh, let me just add one more. This is the worst. You're standing in line to check out at the, sh- at the store or a shop or something, and the person in front of you checking out can't be bothered to complete their transaction because they're yapping away to somebody on the phone. Yeah. If my phone rings and I'm about to check out, I always say, I'm right at the checkout. Let me call you right back. Yeah, or yeah. hold on a second. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Anyway. So. Your cigar. All that aside, <laughs> I didn't actually run into any of that today. That's like, good. Because I had the whole lounge to myself for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my cigar, I went into a humidor and perused, and I thought, you know, I, I always hit the new cigars first. And I think, I don't know that there's much out right now um, that I haven't uh, haven't had or was into trying that's less than like $20 for a cigar. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I perused. <laughs> I, I went around. And I, I found the Mbombe. Mbombe? Mbombe. 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 M-B-O-M-B-A-Y. Mbombe. I'm going to go with Mbombe, but then I'm the guy that likes to call that beer, uh, that brewery, P-Fram. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, the Mbombe Classic Robusto is just such a pretty little cigar, man. It has yeah, the, it the has a wrapper that covers most of the cigar. And um, and uh, it, yeah, it's very opposite from what I normally get. You know, like I almost instantly grab a Maduro wrapper. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like it's way. just, that's my flavor profile. Kind of a go-to, yep. Uh, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like seeing a new lager on the shelf. I'm probably going to grab a Scotch Ale or something along those lines because, but when you see a new lager, it's like, oh, I could get a six pack of that. I might not like it. Anyway, so I did this. I, and this is a, um, this is a Connecticut wrapper on there, a little oily, uh, Connecticut wrapper on there. And, um, Beautiful little cigar, though, so very opposite what I normally do. I didn't mm-hmm. write down what all the wrapper binders are. That is like. a gorgeous band, by the yeah, way. Yeah, isn't it, though? It's Just very so cool. Just so yeah. And uh, anyway, the appearance, light golden brown, smooth and oily uh, um, on it. Uh, some veins, large ornate wrapper with a closed foot on it as mm-hmm. well. So the pre-light sniff on that was sweet and tangy with a light spice and a little bit of hay. It was very nice. It was a good-smelling cigar, um, and put off a nice scent too. It's uh, you know some cigars you got to get real close to smell. This one was this one had you know a bit of uh, aroma to it. Uh, the pre-light draw I used a clip. It was a medium to light draw um, on it with the clip. Uh, the sweet cedar, hay, light aromatic spices going through this were really really nice. So like at that point in time, I'm like okay, this is going to be really good. Yeah, it's going to be. 
uh, like like dessert almost because it smelled so sweet and delicious. The initial light on this sweet tangy pepper, a little bit of nutty flavors behind it, cedar, um, uh, and that. Like, I think the sweetness comes from the fact that it was a closed foot. Okay, so you taste that right. wrapper first. Right, you're getting that wrapper. Like that's pure wrapper. Mm-hmm. And then immediately that's the goes first into thing that. that's burning and then pulling through the tobacco. Right, and then you immediately get that initial light kind of pepper burst. So I mm-hmm. think that's why I got the sweet, creamy, uh, sweet, tangy, uh, sweet and then tangy pepper, and then a little nutty and cedar flavors. The first third of the cigar, sweet, creamy, nutty. This You see this is like a theme going on mm-hmm. here, right? Uh, a little bit of toast, white pepper. The, the the pepper flavor is way on the back sides of the tongue and in the back of the palate. It's mm. really kind of a nice taste going along with this. Um, that white pepper aftertaste is really nice. Solid ash, perfect burn. Great smoke, by the way. Nice silky smoke, easy to blow. And it was a Robusto, right? Yeah, this is a Robusto. So just four and a half by 50, Probably I think. about 50, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I should have wrote that stuff down. I just forgot. <laughs> I usually put that down first, but I was like, I'm going to light the cigar. <laughs> the uh, second third of the cigar, uh, sweetness and cedar take center stage on the second half of this, or second third of this cigar. With a solid backing of white pepper, nutty and toasty flavors move back and leave a little, like, caraway seed kind of flavor nice. in the aftertaste. Nice, like yeah. it was, I, I sat and chewed on that one for just a little while going, what is that? Right, and when you caraway tasting? seed popped in my head, I was like, that's what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of that, it was really interesting. Solid ash, perfect burn. Look at the ash and the burn on this cigar. It never wavered. It was like a laser the entire time. The last third of this cigar, cedar and tangy white pepper move forward with a creamy uh, sweet spice following that toast and tea leaf finishing. That tea leaf started popping up, and it kind of started sneaking in there towards the end of the cigar. I was like, what is that I'm tasting? It's a little bit of that something right, was in there. Right. And there it was. It was the tea leaf on the end. And it's such a great cigar overall. I, I paid about $8 for this cigar, I think is what it was on the shelf for. Uh, I'm giving it a 6.5 on the oh, price nice. to quality. So it gets a, it gets plus because it's not a very expensive cigar. Mm-hmm. It smoked long enough. It smoked for uh, almost an hour. Um Probably uh, fifty minutes uh, for a robusto, not bad, and and uh, I was I was super happy with it. And How just about in, you? Just in case you're new to the show, the price to quality. If you score something a five, it means you feel like you got exactly what you paid for. Yes. Scores less than a five, it's like you know maybe maybe it wasn't quite worth the price. Scores more than a five, in this case a six point five. What you're basically saying is, this had been a few dollars more, you wouldn't have been disappointed. If at I all. paid ten dollars for this cigar, I'd have been perfectly happy with that's, it. That's but I think convenient. I paid less. I think it was actually not even quite eight dollars. I think it was on the top side of seven. Nice. Uh, but I mean, a great cigar, and the price was nice, and it smoked long enough. You know. Nice. Well, I did uh, Alec Bradley two weeks in a row. I did the Alec Bradley uh, Tempest uh, Presnado uh, last yeah, last yeah. week, uh, and this week I smoked an Alec Bradley Black Market Esteli. Torpedo. Mm. Now, the Alec Bradley Black Market was a very successful, very highly rated cigar. Yes. Uh, that was more of a medium body yep. uh, cigar, medium, maybe even on the slightly lighter side of medium, but people loved it. It was a huge hit. And so they had been promising several years back to put out a uh, a, a stronger version, right. something with a little more kick to it, but in the same style. And that's where the black market Esteli uh, came from. And it is a uh, a really nice looking cigar. And you can see, by the way, the packaging. If you're looking at that picture on our uh, on our video feed, uh, if you see the packaging, it's gorgeous packaging. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And you'll see once I slide that sleeve off of there. 
that there's another cigar band underneath it, kind of like your sort of normal size cigar band, but rather than being up by the head of the cigar, it's about two-thirds of the way down. So it's just a really different way to package, and it makes you not see it until you slide that little tube off of there. So anyway, it's a nice-looking cigar once you get to the... Um, once you get to the uh, actual tobacco leaf itself, it's not smooth. Uh, it is veiny. It looks like it's wrapped in a tobacco leaf, which it is. Right. So that makes uh, that makes sense. Uh, it's got a Nicaraguan wrapper. The cigar is filled with a four-country mix of fillers from uh, South America. So uh, I'm not even sure what four countries they are, but you got to figure uh, Nicaragua, Honduras, um, maybe Ecuador yeah. and the Dominican. Uh, that would be my guesses. That would be the four countries. That'd be the four. Yeah. Uh, the pre-light on this was all earth and leather. Really, really uh, pleasant uh, kind of a pre-light. And both of those would be pretty prominent when uh, the cigar smoked as well. I did get lots of spice as this smoked. I guess it leaned towards pepper, but it seemed more complex than that uh, than just a uh, than just a sort of a one note pepper note. Um, and it did that thing that all of my really favorite cigars do, which is that the flavors kind of changed and shifted as I got into the second and third uh, parts of the mm -hmm. uh, cigar. The final third was, you know, a bit different from the first and second. Uh, construction was good, although I did get a little bit of an uneven burn. I had to correct it a couple of times. I probably didn't have to, but I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, once I did that, it burned like a champ all the way down the stretch. So it wasn't wasn't anything that frustrated me but I, I do like to point that out because like i had another cigar this week that burned so perfectly you were like wow oh that how, did they, how did they get it that was good like you that. Know? it was like a yeah. laser all mm -hmm. the way down yeah yeah so uh anyway i really enjoyed this one it's definitely full-bodied now when i say that not as full-bodied as like a lafleur dominicana or like a diesel or something like right, that right. but definitely full-bodied my sort of sweet spot is medium full this was a little bit Little over little, that, little, little over that. that, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> it's a ten dollar cigar. I'm going to tell you, it's worth every penny, maybe even a little more. So, price to quality for me on this baby uh, will be a five point five. Nice. And 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 the notes on it were just they were so pleasant. It was earth, it was leather, and a little bit of toast. But that that spiciness kept it all so interesting. I love when cigars. Are interesting. I mean, I I can enjoy a good like one or two note cigar if I like those flavors. But when they do this complex thing and kind of the flavors sort of weave it in just and makes out, it fun. hit the palate at different places. Right, it becomes right. really fun. And I don't know, like you know, when I first started smoking cigars, if I would have even been able to appreciate that. It's something that kind of kind of develops. Like if you're a wine enthusiast, you know a lot more about what you're tasting in your wine today than you did when you first started well, like, sampling Well, like wine, anything you know? else, experience is king. So the thing is, the first time you uh, taste a cigar, you taste smoke. Right. You know, right. And it could be a pleasant smoke, yeah. tobacco smoke, but that's that's kind of what you but get. As you as you learn to taste through those cigars a little more, you start being able to separate flavors. It's like beers do the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Some Absolutely. people taste beer and they just taste, oh, it tastes like tastes beer. Tastes like a beer, yeah. Uh, oh, that's a sweeter beer, or that's a bitter beer, or whatever. But that's there's not much definition. But once you start 
exposing yourself to more of those flavors, you start getting to recognize them, and that makes a big difference. All right, so we're going to talk about those flavors coming up when we do our uh, our report, which has long been promised and will finally be delivered, about the flavors and styles that craft beer drinkers seem to enjoy the most. And I think this may surprise you a little bit, how different uh, different flavors and styles do. So, uh, so we'll be back with that as we continue to roll for show number 188. We are smoking and toasting. Live in the studio once again, and glad to be here, and we will be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's Smoking and Toasting. The radio program and podcast is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. It's show number 188. We'll be talking to you about great bourbons to drink right now and uh, several other things. But first, I just want to uh, I want to say hello to a couple of people that I've noticed in the show notes are listening. Uh, Steve uh, Richardson, a buddy of mine from high school, uh, that uh, it has been great to— One of those cool things about Facebook, because there's so many things that aren't that cool about Facebook— <laughs> But one of the cool things about Facebook is when you kind of reconnect with somebody that you know used to be a big part of your life, and now maybe they live somewhere far away, and you don't really see them. And, and so it's great to be able to connect with you. Steve and I were in a lot of the same classes in school, and uh, Steve, I hope his parents are not listening because Steve's house was walking distance from the school, like super close. So if we were cutting classes, it was in Steve's room listening to the stereo. That was <laughs> that's where we that's where we would be. So uh so we had some had some good times back then. But anyway, Steve, nice to see you on there. And uh Mark Thompson. Now Mark Thompson, there are a lot of people in the world named Mark Thompson, but if this is the Mark Thompson I think it is, he's an old uh radio buddy of mine that I used to work with nice. that uh, still uh, still out there doing the radio thing somehow I don't know well he, he has one of the greatest voices I've ever heard so that's that's how I think he's able to continue to, I mean he's very talented as well but his voice when he opens his mouth and you speaks you're that. like holy cow whatever this guy says I'm buying it you know, so uh, that's the guy you want. That's the guy you want as your spokesperson. Uh, we are smoking and toasting, and we've been promising this. So uh, maybe Ian, uh, as you open up the um, uh, the Urban Underdog American Lager, uh, maybe I will uh, share finally this uh, this list that we've been talking about and have not uh, gotten to. Uh, it's about what flavors and styles today's craft beer enthusiasts. These are these are. People who like craft beer, not just the entire. Go ahead. Ooh, that was nice. Not just the entire beer drinking public, but people who liked craft beer were asked about certain styles and flavors. Uh, what do you like or dislike about each of the following styles of craft beer? And they were uh, asked to select one option on each of them, either somewhat like or like a lot, or somewhat dislike or dislike a lot. And the number one, the number one was with a seventy-six percent like, was clean and crisp. So this should. Uh, oh, I see you're uh, you're turning the uh, uh, the view bot, viewfinder around. Thank you. Um, this was uh, a perfect thing to announce as we try a lager, which by definition you would expect to be clean and crisp. That's generally one of the see, and that's one not of the my thing. I like for. sweet, right. big, yeah, and right. ridiculous. Absolutely. Well, the number two. Was fruity. 
with 52% saying wow. fruity, uh, 52% versus 22%. Now, as we go on these, the uh, somewhat dislike or dislike a lot gets a bit higher. At third place, dark beer came in with 50% saying uh, they, they liked it somewhat or liked uh, a lot, 22% saying, nah, not my thing. Malty was next with 46% positive, 21% negative. Then sweet with 46% positive, but a 25% negative, slightly higher negative on, uh. the, on the sweet. Then and only then do we get to hoppy with a 45% positive and a 24% uh, negative. But this actually makes some sense to me because being a guy that likes IPAs, that really likes hoppy beers, I, I seem to run into... You're an exception to this, but I seem to run into people that fall definitely into one or two categories. Either they love it, like bring on the hops, that's my thing, or they'll say, yeah, I don't really like IPAs. Like, And you run into a lot of those yeah. people that we've had a lot of them here that are guests on the show, uh, distillers or, or uh, people who are reps for different uh, liquor or, or cigar companies or whatever. We're asking them to sample beers with us, and they'll tell us, yeah, I don't really go for IPAs, although they do, quite frankly, like a lot of the ones that, that we sample here on the show. So, But it doesn't surprise me that if you ask the question about hoppy, you would certainly get some negative pushback. Yeah. Don't you think? Um, spicy was next with 35% uh, and 35% uh, positive, 29% negative. And here's the first one I would have answered negatively on. I don't care for spicy beers. Uh, uh, you know, I don't really either. I like spicy food. I love spicy but food. when I drink a beer, I don't like to have a lingering burn in the back of my throat from, yep. from a spice. Um, and if it's light on occasion, it's okay. And I think that's drink dependent for me, but... Overall, that's not really my bag mm -hmm. either. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Cloudy is the next category, 33% positive, 21% negative. No, cloudy. Sure. So I guess that's like hazy. Yeah. Basically. I'd say I don't care or, if it's hazy or cloudy. Yeah. Or. See, before the hazy IPA craze, I would have thought of cloudy when I thought of like a Hefeweizen, like an unfiltered yeah, wheat yeah. beer or something like that. Um, sour or tart, 31% positive. 36% negative. This being wow. the first time that the negative it's, it's number is higher yeah. than, the, than the positive on this list. And finally, bitter uh, with 31% positive but 42% negative. So the thing about bitter beer is it has to be like a really good, like the right kind of bitter. Like I'm thinking about like a great ESB. Yeah. Uh, well, an ESB though, like even though it's extra special bitters, the bitter beer is not bitter is not near as bitter a lot of times as a lot of IPAs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. IPAs can have, especially a, 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 an unbalanced West Coast style IPA, can be as bitter as anything. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I think the name bitter has a negative connotation. I, I think you're right. Like when someone says, "Oh, that's bitter," they think, "Oh, that's bitter." They think a, it's bitter. A, you won't with like a bad it. face, yeah, not right. bitter with a good exactly. face. Uh, the study also asks uh, uh, people uh, who drink. People who drink beer, um, how often, if ever, do you drink craft beer? Uh, U.S. adults came out 43% drink craft beer at least occasionally to 53% never drink craft beer, which I think the 43% number is actually pretty high. Yeah, uh, It actually, if you go to 21 to 34-year-olds, 55% uh, at least occasionally, 37% uh, don't. Uh, and then it's, all, it's dead even for 35 to 54-year-olds at 48% each, 
And then, then if you go over 55, it's 32% positive, 66% no, I don't. You know, I've, I've, said, <clears throat> it, I've said it before many times. I, I don't eat spaghetti for dinner every single night. Right. I don't. Like, it's not but something you like that I want. I do like spaghetti, but I don't want it every night for dinner. As a matter of fact, when I make a big old pot of spaghetti, I might like that a couple nights in a row. But when I go out to eat, I'm not going out to eat spaghetti every single time. And then when I go get takeout, I'm not going to get spaghetti every single time. And then when I make food at home, I'm not going to make spaghetti every single time. Right. I don't understand how people just drink the exact, the exact same, same beer, beer. Yeah. every single time they drink beer. Like, like that just boggles my brain a little I bit. I went to my refrigerator uh, one evening this week and discovered I don't have the luxury of a second beer fridge. So I have to keep stocking my beer with with uh, my fridge with beer to keep it cold. And I noticed I had put in a vanilla porter. Uh-huh. That's not a style I drink a lot. No, generally not. I pulled it out and poured it and it was the perfect beer for that moment. I didn't enjoyed it so much. But I didn't want another vanilla porter the next night. Right. You know what I mean? Like It was just at that moment in time, oh, this, this sounds perfect. And it was. Uh, it was actually quite good. I'll have to well, get Well, you know, much like, I mean, you have cravings for certain styles of food from time of to time. Of course, right? like yeah. Sometimes you want Chinese food or sometimes mm-hmm. you want Maybe it's Greek Tuesday, or, you want tacos. Right. Tuesday tacos <laughs> are very important. I just, I don't understand the mentality. There's so many people, it just freaks me out. How, the, how this is the beer I drink, Bud Light, and that's what I drink. Craft beer drinkers also say type, brand, and price are the most important factors when they buy craft brew. Type of beer was number one. So that's like like if you wanted an IPA or you wanted a stout or you wanted you know a particular uh, style. That's the number one buying consideration. Brand or brewery is second with 36%. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I'm loyal to certain breweries in, in that I'll try just about anything they, they put out. Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, price is third. Uh, that's followed by recommendations and reviews with 27%. Uh, alcohol percentage at 24 Here's where Ian answered affirmatively. Um, region, as in where it's from, 16 Design of the packaging, 10%. And then uh, coming in at 1.2%, what Ian and Cruz said about it on Smoking and Toasting. That's right, yeah, 1.2%. So, no, I, I, I made that up. It's not, it's not in the article. Anyway, have you tried this uh, Urban uh, Underdog American I, Lager? I have. I haven't said a word about it, but as you can see, I've had most of my... This is delicious. So I uh, I went with the nose, and at first I wasn't getting a lot, but then when I really stuck my nose in there, I got this malty, really nice malty mm-hmm. uh, scent to it. I didn't get a lot more other than that. There's not a lot of hoppy or anything going it, on. It doesn't there. have a big nose. You're right. It, it's just uh, the flavor is malty with a crisp citrus snap finish. Yeah, I think that's what I like so much about this. That citrus snap finish keeps it from having and that, a malty aftertaste. That bite, like you know, when you drink like a pilsner or a cow or something like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I like the flavor, but something about that finish is a little off-putting. Uh, to me, it just has that little snap. I, I, I don't like the way it finishes as much as I like. To me, that one tastes a little bit like a preservative. Yeah, right. It's got that kind yeah. of a, almost like a, a artificial or not quite as fresh taste. And some people like that taste. It's just to my palate, I don't like it. That's, this that's does what not. Heineken is. This does not have that at all. This that citrus snap, like you said, yeah. on the finish, really closes this out in a 
beautiful way. And, and and then leaves you with just a little malty undertone on the aftertaste that's so nice. Now, there is one thing that I'm very unhappy with, and that's that my glass is empty. Let me uh, fix maybe that you for could, you, my uh, friend. Maybe you could help me out with that. Then I can go ahead and give this beer. I'm going to give this a big thumbs up. Now, we had a uh, lager on the show uh, last week. It was the... Uh, the one with the lion with the the beer glass in his mouth on the uh, uh, on the show notes. You remember that? I do. Um, uh, and and I think I like this even better. I, we liked that a lot. I think I like this even better. This urban is, underdog. This is really good. Urban underdog. This is kind of fun because the can it's obviously uh, printed, but uh, it has this very hand drawn sketch kind of <laughs> feel to yeah. it. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, the city in the background, and then the super dog in the front. It's got a dog with a cape and a, and a mask over his eyes. American Underdog it. from St. Louis, Missouri, and Louis, Urban Missouri. Chestnut Did is the Did you know the that brewery. they actually make decent beer in St. Louis, Missouri? It, uh, you know, I would ha- almost hate to be a craft brewery, or, or maybe maybe it would be great to be a craft brewery uh, in St. Louis, because you'd be like so raging against the machine, as it were. From what I understand, and I could be wrong, but there was a time in St. Louis, Missouri, where if you didn't drink the uh, major brews made in St. Louis, Missouri, I mean... People around you would look at you like, well, I'll like tell that's you. Bad. But I have to think that by now, and especially getting a quality a quality lager like this, like first off, if you're in St. Louis, Missouri, and you're making a lager, and you're making one this good, mm-hmm. mm, you mm-hmm. go, baby. Like that's and awesome. here's hoping you can get shelf space and taps because those guys kind of rule with an iron fist. There, I will tell you a true story. When I was in my twenties. I moved to St. Louis from uh, Florida or someplace. I don't remember where I was at the time. And I was in my 20s, had not really discovered craft beer at that time. I drank the mainstream brews and, you know, enjoyed some of the imports. And I remember uh, when I first moved there, I was staying in a hotel for a couple of weeks that I got put up in. And uh, I walked down to the bar one afternoon, and there were guys sitting at the bar. This is in St. Louis, Missouri, you know, home of Anheuser-Busch. And I remember I walked up to the bar, and I said to the bartender, uh, yeah, I think I'll have a beer. He says, what do you want? I think I said, and again, I hadn't even discovered craft beer yet. I think I said, I have a Miller Lite. And a guy sitting at the bar turned and looked at me like this. Minute, like almost threatening because I'd ordered a Miller Lite in St. Louis, Missouri. That's, it's, it's considered like unpatriotic almost. Yeah. And the other crazy thing about it, I lived in St. Louis for several years. The other crazy thing about St. Louis is people drink bush beer by choice. That's not, a weird one. Not because no, that's a it's really less expensive. One. They'll they'll you know, it'll be like, "Hey buddy, can I buy you a beer?" "Sure, what do you want?" "I'll have a bush." "What?" No, I just offered to buy you whatever you wanted. That's a weird one. Yeah, I mean, it, you know what? I will I will buy bush uh by choice when I'm cooking brats. Oh, cuz you like it with sausage. Well, I mean, to cook your sausage in. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't need you don't need big flavored porters to cook brats in well urban underdog the next time i visit st louis which will probably not be for a long time but i will go to a bar and try to ask for your stuff instead yes, of this uh, is instead of the local swell yes. there this is this is great stuff and good job wanna, guys and i can't imagine what a brewery in that town what a microbrew in that town has to go through to get their stuff put well out. to get shelf space but don't you know they have some of the most loyal fans of any Microbrewery people, for thank you for saving us from uh, uh, you know <laughs> mainstream beer. Right, uh, their their fans, I bet, are hardcore. Oh, I bet. You know, it makes me think. Uh, it makes me think. You remember in that um, uh, bourbon barrel stout and selling out book? Yes. 
That was such a good book, by the way. If you guys have read We interviewed read that, the author. Uh, oh, oh, you may remember yes. on the show. And he yes. was great. Get that book. Read it. It's so good. But um, it makes me think about there's uh, one section in there where he's talking about uh, he's going to meet with the AB InBev people. And it's it's a meeting where all the the, uh, the brewmeisters are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And he's... You know, he gives the he gives the um, feeling that he's a little excited to go meet all these brewmeisters. Oh, these brewmeisters, been brewing yeah. like sure. I mean, that you're master brewers, yeah, master brewers. You know, brewing Budweiser beer and stuff like that. And uh, he gets to the meeting, and nobody pays attention to him. They don't even think he brews beer. Like they they treat him like that. Wow. Like your product isn't even a beer, and they treat him like that. Well, so I told you crappy. about that that documentary that I watched. that yeah. was about all the different Amazing. Budweiser like brewery uh, head head master brewers from each different brewery around the world, all competing to see who could make the most Budweisery Budweiser. Yeah, not who could make the best beer, who could make the most consistently Budweiser. Don't make it interesting. Beer, yeah, don't you dare. All right, we'll try to make it interesting coming up next with a brewery we have huge respect for, the Firestone Walker Brewing Company out of Paso Robles, California. They release uh, the Luponic Distortion series regularly, and we have the latest one. And I'm going to be asking Ian to pronounce the uh, flavors that it's uh, supposed to have in it. Oh, I got this. uh, uh, Okay, okay, good. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. We're glad you're here, too. It's Smoking and Toasting, all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is Smoking and Toasting. This is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz. My host, uh, my co-host is Ian Barry. Uh, Adam on the wheels of steel behind the board, and uh, we are so glad to have you either watching or listening. And uh, however you, uh, however you consume and enjoy the show, thank you so much. And and we would love for you to uh, you know help us you know spread the word, subscribe, hit the little bell, whatever whatever the right thing to do is for the platform. You you guys know whatever. Yeah, you know yeah. what? Even if you if you never watch YouTube, just go on YouTube, look us up. And hit and the subscribe. like button and yeah, subscribe. Right. Yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, all it'll do is it'll give you a little thing on the side when we have a new show. And you it's hit the bell, deal. it'll give you notiva- uh, notifications whenever mm-hmm. we post stuff yeah. up. And I've noticed, by the way, and I watch a lot of YouTube because I have um, uh, I have the app on my smart TV. Yeah, yeah, I so I can just go to it and watch it on the TV instead of on the computer. So I watch a lot of YouTube, and everything I watch, they're like, hey, if you enjoyed this clip, subscribe and tell yeah. your friends and hit the bell. And so, so this is our version of doing that. Masters well, we, of self-promotion. We appreciate the support. We really do. All right. Uh, we have officially begun drinking, so uh, it's time for drinking news. And, Ian, I, I, I really, I've been thinking about this this week. I really want you to write us a drinking news intro song. Okay. Okay. And, and maybe just accepted. record a little, you know, something acoustic or whatever, whatever you can come up with. It can all be on the bass. I don't care. Just, just something Challenge that we can accepted. play when it's time for drinking news. And uh, I know you were uh, responsible for, you know, helping to, uh, you know, put together the intro music that we have for yep. the show, which is just awesome. And and you know, I I couldn't be happier with our lead vocalist on on that thing. I mean, you uh, know. Uh, uh, that was a fun story because I went over to a buddy's house. He's like, let's get this done. I was like, okay. And he already had actually most of the music going on. He just didn't know how to turn it around or end it. So I, I get the credit for that little little ending thing yeah. on there. That's, oh, that's yeah. pretty oh, yeah. much that's... my input. <laughs> I'm like, it's great. Right? It's great. And, uh, and, then, um, and then he's like, okay, who are we getting to say? I was like, 
John Egan. John Egan is so good. He's perfect. For like it. he is. It is the perfect. I voice love for that. that guy. Yeah, he's, he's so awesome. Great. He's great. He occasionally will uh, uh, will play sets in the uh, little bar that's downstairs in my building. So yeah. it's great to be able to just wander down, have a few brews, and listen to John play the blues. It's an awesome thing. All right, cool. Now you uh, you go ahead and pour that, and I'll read today's dun dun dun. Drinking news. Drinking news. And a reminder that drinking news is uh, is not necessarily about drinking. It's not about cigars or spirits. There might be drinking involved in the story, but most importantly, it's a story that you will enjoy most if you are drinking when it is uh, read. So those of you who are in a position to do so, like Ian and I are at this moment, uh, pour yourself something. And let me tell you about the two men in Australia who snuck into a bedroom with machetes after being hired to carry out a stranger's sexual fantasy of being tied up in his underwear and stroked with a broom. <laughs> oh, it gets better. They what? Dis- they discover... Okay, so two oh. strangers, two men, snuck into a bedroom with machetes after being hired to carry out a man's sexual fantasy of being tied up in his underwear and stroked with a broom. Only they discovered... They'd gone to the wrong address. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the pair from Sydney, Australia, they made their apologies to the man whose home they had entered with their machetes and broom and left his bedside as soon as they realized their mistake. One of the men, uh, Terrence Leroy, has now been acquitted of a crime in entering the home in July of 2019, intending to intimidate while armed with an offensive weapon, i.e. a machete. Uh, <laughs> The district court accepted his explanation. They said, uh, conceding the facts of the case are unusual, uh, they set out reasons for the not guilty verdict, saying the evidence did not suggest that the men actually intended to harm the guy. Uh, They carried the machetes either as a prop or something to use in the fantasy, he said. Uh, The fantasy was unscripted, and there was no discretion as to how it would be carried out. According to court documents, uh, the man wanted a broom handle to be rubbed around his underwear. That's what that's what it says in the court documents. And the court documents also say he was willing to pay $5,000 if it was really good. <laughs> Police said that the... Uh, well, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit of business. Sense. Okay. I hope before these guys... Went into the wrong house and then ended up with this big court case and everything else. I hope they got paid ahead of time. At one least would, something. Did you, get, hope. did you get a down payment or something? Because mm-hmm. uh, on the contingency that it was really good. Yeah. Uh, I would hope. Police say the intended client had a, quote, history and proclivity for engaging the services of people, end quote. Uh, he had made arrangements with a man on Facebook for people to engage in role play and sent his address before he later updated it with a different address where he really lived uh, more than 30 miles away. So I guess when he did the first, like, contacting somebody to try to get to do this, he gave him, like, a fake address, right? <laughs> and then he changed it to his real address once he had it all set up and the guys didn't notice the address had changed and showed up at the first place. I don't know what that one means. <laughs> the I don't know what that is either. Uh, It sounds like something you would hear in a shopping mall. Uh, But the resident of the home where the men mistakenly turned up told police that when he noticed a light on in his lounge at around 6.15 a.m., he assumed it was a friend who visits every day to make coffee. 
Uh, he called out, bugger off, it's too early. And after hearing a voice asking, is your name Kevin? Uh, the man said he turned on his light to see two men he did not recognize standing next to his bed, both holding machetes. A conversation then ensued. Uh, this just gets better as it goes. <laughs> the conversation. The conversation then ensued in which the pair repeatedly sought to establish whether or not he was Kevin, each time being told no in response. At one point, one of them asked, are you sure you're not Kevin? Because we were told to come here and pick up Kevin. Eventually, they uh, realized their error and left with one of them saying, Sorry, mate, and shaking the resident's hand while the other just said, bye. There is your drinking news for smoking <laughs> and toasting, number 188. Yes. See, so, that music's great, but it will be better when we have an, yes, Ian, yes. Uh, an Ian penned uh, drinking news thing. Um, uh, <laughs> it's just, what a weird conversation yeah. that is. Imagine, imagine how much you... <laughs> How much you must get really turned on by someone with a machete rubbing your underwear with a broom to be able willing to offer up to five thousand dollars for that? Well, here's the thing, too. Does the guy that hired him gain any culpability for this? Did he give them that address? Well, I'm sure you, you I said because he then updated and changed the address, but apparently he initially gave them that right. address. You would think he would be somewhat responsible some for this fiasco. There's some culpability there if yeah, he hired would, somebody and sent think. them to that address. But can you imagine him? He's waiting all night. The guys with the machetes never show up because <laughs> they went to the wrong house. Oh, man. Yes, for sure. <laughs> All right, so Firestone Walker, Luponic Distortion. Ian, read that can. Tell me what we're drinking here. Uh, so bossy. Yes. <laughs> it says, keep cold, drink fresh. Okay. Uh, Firestone Walker, Luponic, uh, Luponic Distortion IPA Series. But it says at the top. What Hints it of kiwi, lychee, and uh, that's, fioa. That's the one I couldn't pronounce. What do you call it? Fioa? Fioa. F-E-I-J-O-A. F E I J O A. If if Wiki Brian is with us, could you figure out how to uh, how how are we supposed to pronounce Fioa? Fioa. F E I J O A. Fijoa. Fioa sounds more like it'd be real. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think of the Luponic Distortion? I mean this this is a super interesting series this is a because five point nine percent IPA. They use a lot of really different hops and try for something just really well, really different yeah, in every one. Distortion is they they say hey let's see how. How far out Let's we see can how take messed it. up we can make this, basically. And it's not necessarily messed up in terms so, of trying to make it uh, like stronger or higher things, ABV. But yeah, no, no, no. This is not. This is not trying to build the most brutal IPA you can get. This is um, at five point nine. It's in the middle range. Uh, the the nose on this is IPA with a little more malt forward. Uh, mm -hmm. Right on the nose. There's also a little hint of something funky in there, and not in a bad way. Funky in a maybe uh, kind of good or interesting way. When you take a sip of this, though, the initial flavor of this is IPA, but then there's a little something right at the at the back of the palate that's that's different, and then it comes back with the crisp IPA, like I just bit into a, a Granny Smith apple kind of crispness, right. you know. Well, I will tell you this is this is not like this is on the opposite end of the spectrum. From like a hazy or juicy, like the IPA that we had last week. Oh, which remind me, I, I, I did some research on that. I want to tell you, but but go ahead. Uh, well, this uh, so and it also has a very kind of uh, grapefruit 
mm-hmm. bitter to the finish or sour to the finish. It's it doesn't have that sweeter citrus vibe to it at all. Right, but it's got a little bit of that grapefruit tang. It's on the like finish. it's like it's like citrus, but the uh, but the uh, zest switch citrus zest. You ever take a bite of the right. peel on yes. a lime or oh, on a grapefruit? Uh, you know what? It, actually, it reminds me of if you peel, when you're peeling a grapefruit, if you peel off the sort of white stuff yeah, in between the, the rind the and the uh, yeah. and, and and the pulp itself if you were to just kind of put that in your mouth and chew on it there's a little of that kind yes. of zest flavor there's in an it. astringency to it right, too right it's not it's not bad at all but it's just a uh, it's, it, a it's not component. like the sweeter pulpy part of the grapefruit um it just gives it a i i find it surprisingly refreshing um it's not a uh, as as interesting as the flavors that we just uh, uh, you know, described it really actually drinks easier than you'd think. Mm-hmm. I agree, but I think that's the malt profile because this actually has more robust malt profile all the way throughout the flavor of it um, than a lot of a lot of IPAs because a lot of IPAs that finish in the citrusy way this does don't it's, have that. It's malt more profile a hot profile without without as much of the malt. right. This yeah. actually the malt profile stays pretty solid all the way through it, it and it, it leaves you with a little bit of that even after that. Even if that crisp, astringent bitterness goes away, there's still a hint of that malt going on. What it kind of tells me is that the brewers at Firestone Walker really know what they're doing. They're oh, yeah. they're using these more experimental hops and these different kind of hops, and they figured out how to balance the flavor that those hops bring by maybe increasing the maltiness in this yeah. case in order to come out with a really very drinkable, uh, tasty, and balanced beer. I really like this, but I will tell you, it's perfect for being one of the Luponic Distortion series beers. In other words, this is not a beer that I would necessarily choose over a lot of other IPAs if it were out all the time. But with it being out as limited, I, I, I'm like, yeah, I want to get some it. more of these. Yeah, but I not only want to try it, but I want to, I want to get some and, and try several. This you is know? something, you know, like we said with the I don't eat spaghetti every day thing. This is something that you buy a six pack and you try one, and you go, yeah, it's pretty good, and you toss it in your fridge, and then once in a while you go, oh, I want that. That's exactly. Interesting. No, that's exactly. Speaking of limited series, um, I absolutely raved, and you really liked it too, about the. Uh, the hazy IPA we had on the show yeah. last week from NOLA Brewing in New Orleans. Uh, it was the We Are Liquid uh, IPA. Yes. It came in the 16-ounce cans. Uh, go back if you haven't heard the show and listen to uh, the way that we reacted to that uh, IPA. It was one of my favorites in a very long time. Uh, I did do some research this last week. It is limited. So I will say to you this. If you uh, are anywhere close to a fan of hazy IPAs and... You see that, buy it, and buy it now because it's not going to be around for a long time. I'm actually really bummed because I would have that in my total regular rotation. I will say I was in specs earlier this week, and they did still have some. So you should still be able to get it. But I think it came out in February or March, and it's a fairly, you know, I don't know how how many months they produced it, but it's a fairly limited time. They have moved on. Uh, I know they just released something in combination with Boyfriend called – uh, Nola Boyfriend IPA, and uh, I haven't tried it yet, so we'll have to maybe have it on next week's show and see and see how it goes. So, uh, all right, we're going to take another break. Thank you for staying with us through drinking news. Uh, we have more to talk about, including eight bourbons that you need to drink right now. Right now, and uh, we'll be trying some bourbon ourselves in the next segment. The contradiction bourbon uh, from the guys with the elephant on the bottle, Smooth Ambler, and we'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. 
Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. It's the radio program and podcast that is all about craft beer and fine spirits and hand rolled cigars. Well, that, that sort of invited that that particular cadence, you know. Um, so we haven't talked much about. I mean, uh, as as we do the show uh, this week, the entire country has been just absolutely rocked by, uh, you know, the uh, death of George Floyd, the protests, some of the violence that's erupted. We we try to stay away from political things on, on the show, and I don't want to really wade into that because there there are people far more qualified than us to comment on. On these issues, but certainly our hearts go out to anyone who's been affected by this, George Floyd, his family, anyone who's been affected by the violence. And in so doing, we have to uh, offer our sadness, our condolences to the proprietors of the Lone Wolf uh, Cigar Shop in Cigar Lounge, Lone Wolf Cigar Company in Santa Monica, California. The store windows were smashed and the retail space was ransacked several nights ago during one of the many simultaneous riots. They've been serving Santa Monica, California since 1996. And I'll tell you, it's a tough thing to be a cigar lounge in California because the laws are stacked against you. It's really, you know, they really make it prohibitive. Your cigars are so much more expensive than what people can buy in other states because of all the, the taxes that you've got to pay. And now these guys' store was just decimated. Everything was taken and destroyed, according to the owner of a second uh, lone wolf shop in West Los Angeles. They're estimating hundreds of thousands of dollars of damage. And, uh, you know, there was uh, Anthony's Pipe and Cigar Lounge on Westlake Street in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, protests there, that store suffered extensive damage. Uh, there have been a number of these type of things. So while... You know, cigar shop owners are not necessarily, you know, worthy of our support any more than anybody else. As fellow cigar lovers, our hearts really go out to these guys, and uh, I hope that it's, uh, it's, I hope that people who live in those communities will do whatever they can to support these guys and help them get back on their feet. It's such a tough thing because people are rioting. I think largely because they feel like they can't be heard, and the only way to be heard. Is to I think that's right. Is I, to make the loudest noise possible, which mm-hmm. is the riot, which is the violence, which is that kind of thing, and which doesn't help. But I understand what you're saying. Unfortunately, uh, the problematic part of that, the biggest problem of that is, what you're rioting against has nothing to do with what you've just created violence against. Right, and that's, and I don't see how any of that can be justified. Like, how does smashing an electronic store on a cigar store? help your case in any way shape or form and i don't know what the answer is by any means well if only the cigar store proprietors could do what apple does because if you break into an apple store and steal a computer or a ipad or a laptop apple can track you yeah <laughs> uh, if only we could track somebody who stole cigars or uh, or yeah. lighters or something you know i, I, uh, I don't know it's just it's just that the the senseless violence of it is yeah. what what really makes me sad because that's it's going to happen and and it's not that the people who are rioting are are right they're not by any means but at the same time you're talking about people who can't who, who feel, feel like they can't like you be said, heard they feel like know? they can't be heard and, and it's this is absolutely... the only way to do it and i, yeah. I i'll be honest with you i've been so frustrated i've punched a wall i know i know at you least know that to feels a certain like. degree yeah. that there's there's a certain amount of frustration that you get where it causes you know a physical reaction but i i it's hard 
it's hard to see, you know. Yeah, and and I promise not to come over and drink your best whiskey again. Damn it, man. <laughs> Speaking of whiskey, uh, we have some to try here, uh, and I'm very excited about this uh, bourbon. We have not opened this bottle, so Ian will be cracking the seal on it uh, here while I uh, tell you about a new whiskey, by the way, uh, that's being launched that uh, guess who one of the investors is? Mm, it's one of Adam's heroes. It's Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is involved in a new whiskey launch. And, you know, it's so interesting because a lot of people, uh, to get uh, to go slightly off into sports, a lot of people have thought, you know, why isn't Peyton Manning, you know, who's retired now as, you know, one of the most, you know, famous NFL quarterbacks of our time, why isn't he, like, you know, doing play-by-play for football games? Or why isn't he, you know, a coach somewhere? I think he's just enjoying retirement and doing, you know, uh, insurance commercials. And uh, and now he and Drew Holcomb of Drew and the Neighbors, I don't know if you're familiar with that band. They're kind of a, an Americana-style uh, band. They're offering a new tequila that's, uh, I'm sorry, a new whiskey that is supposed to be top-shelf Tennessee bourbon whiskey. And it is uh, Sweeten's. Cove Bourbon, backed by multiple high-profile investors, including Peyton Manning, Andy Roddick, Jim Nance, the sports announcer, huh. Skip Bronson, and Drew Holcomb, the musician. Uh, it uh, comes from South Petersburg, Tennessee, so you might keep an eye out for it. Uh, it's a uh, it's named after a uh, golf course that I think they all like to play golf on in Tennessee. Ooh, that was nice. Did you hear that spill? Because it sounded very sloshy. Nope. Oh, nice. Well, I'm really excited about this. Now, this particular uh, whiskey uh, comes to us, if I'm not mistaken, from uh, West Virginia. Maxwellton, West Virginia, or Maxwellton, West Virginia. I I, uh, saw a little piece of a documentary recently about West Virginia, and i got to say, it didn't look like that inviting of a place to go. West but Virginia I have, does not. I've known a few people from there. Yeah, I've, I've been nice there. People, I've driven they through. They didn't rave West, about it either. Yeah, I've driven through West Virginia, and parts of it are absolutely beautiful. So I can imagine oh, there's some good, good picturesque spots to uh, open up a craft distillery and blend. Now, this is a blended whiskey, so I'm very excited about it. bourbon whiskey. <laughs> but it was 90, named. 92 proof or 46% uh, alcohol by volume. And it was named America's uh, best uh, whiskey, best craft a, uh, whiskey distillery by USA Today. It has Today. a picture of an elephant um, balancing on top of a uh, bourbon barrel there. Mm-hmm. That's Which you know elephants are, are thrilled to do. They're prone to do, yeah. 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 <laughs> happens uh, all the time. I will say this has... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, this has a wonderful nose. Contradiction is a blend of straight bourbons. <laughs> the components are weeded bourbon distilled and aged in West Virginia and merchant bottled uh, bourbon mm. that we carefully source. So this is a source. They're not. They're being right up front with it right there. Uh, we are very proud of our knack for bringing it to you uh, great spirits we hand make uh, and excellent spirits we hand select. Contradiction is the opportunity to join in a single sip the convergence of those two very different efforts. So part of this is sourced and part of this is made, I guess, by the distillery is what they're saying. Expertly blended from whiskeys distilled in West Virginia, Tennessee, and Indiana. This is batch number 268, bottled mm. by James. Thank you, James. Um, yeah, <laughs> thank you, James. We appreciate your you, James. We appreciate your efforts on our behalf. Um so um, I will tell you, Max Ian, Welton, West Virginia. The no, like I said, the nose on this is just wonderful. Lots of uh, it smells uh, good caramel sweetness. It's got that 
wonderful bourbon smell. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Mm, that just, yeah, yeah. that just, and of course, you know, a lot of people will turn up their nose at a blended bourbon, but there are some great blended bourbons out there. Really wonderful. Your thoughts, sir? Well, okay. So my, uh, I, I like the nose on it a lot. My initial sip on this, I was not very impressed. I, it took me a second to go, hmm, is that it? Uh, then I took a second sip. It's smooth. So, but I'm I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you holding back. There's something you don't like here. It's you know I like that mineral taste in the back on a lot right. of like you mm-hmm. get it on a lot of whiskeys and scotches. You get that mineral water taste. This almost tastes like a uh, <coughs> processed version of that. And what do you mean by processed? I don't know. It's it's almost like a fake version of it. Like you know how sugar tastes one way and then sweet and low tastes like artificial sugar tastes another way. Yeah, yeah. this tastes. The upfront flavor, the malt profile on this is really nice right up front. It goes into kind of a fruity thing and finishes with a vanilla, but there's something in there. Um, yeah, I'm not really into this. See, I'm, I'm not finding the same issue with this that you are. But again, your, your tastes when it comes to whiskey are more refined than mine are. But I'm enjoying... The um, the sort of upfront maltiness to it. I'm enjoying that bit of vanilla and maple. And I think I can detect what you're talking about. The sweetener kind of, uh, I don't know how, how else to describe it. Yeah, it's, a, it's an <laughs> But it's not bothering me. Kind of bi- it's not kind bothering of me. Um, it's not bothering me any more than, you know, having a nice tea with like a sweet uh, and low, or something with like sweet and low yeah, in it. I don't you know, like I, that at all. It's, yeah, uh, that doesn't. Uh, something about that flavor, I don't really. Um. It tastes a little green to me. It tastes a little young. Uh, there isn't an age statement, I'm sure. Because... No, I don't think so. And they, <laughs> they never said anything about it on the thing. But it tastes a little young to me. So I, I don't know. This is one of those things where maybe if the price point's at the right place, it wasn't it's okay. expensive. I want to say it was thirty-two dollars, something like that, for the bottle. So that's not expensive. Uh, not the cheapest you can buy. I mean. I'm hearing you say if you were comparing this to a bottle of Buffalo Trace, that it doesn't hold up. I don't think so. Uh, honestly, I don't. I don't. I don't know that it does. There's a there's a nice vanilla thing that happens mm-hmm. right after you swallow. And I do like that flavor a lot. But that there's something that just lays on my tongue as it and it tastes preservative or fake sugary or sweet and low or something like that that I'm just not. All right, so not hitting me right. I like it better than you do, but I think it's fairly clear. That we're not going to be adding this to the list I'm about to read you of eight bourbons you should really try right now. Yeah. Uh, because right now. You, you think uh, you think it probably wouldn't hold up uh, to these. Let me give you what Liquor.com said for the big eight. Let's hear it. Liquor.com these are, these is a fun place to be. Newer, uh, newer bourbons that you should try. Uh, number eight was the Old Fitzgerald Bottled in Bond Spring 2019 Edition. It is a $130 bottle of Ooh. bourbon, so it better be good. But it does come in at number eight. 
Uh, it's from Heaven Hill, of course. They release a new uh, old Fitzgerald each spring and fall, and this is the third release in their series. It's in a, a very ornate decanter, and they say it's delightful, mix- mixing uh, dulce de leche and coconut sweetness with assertive cinnamon and cayenne spice. Bottled at 100 proof, so... Uh, at number seven, at a $35 bottle, is Legend, or Legent, L-E-G-E-N-T. Uh, it's a joint project from Beam Suntory that started uh, with uh, Kentucky, uh, in Kentucky with Fred No uh, from, uh, from Beam, who we've had some of his uh, whiskeys uh, before. Oh, yeah. And then the chief, uh, uh, Suntory's chief lender, uh, Shinji Fukioko, uh, worked on this as well. The end result, they say, is a whiskey with concentrated caramel and spice on the nose and palate, which evolves into creamier dulce de leche with tones. Uh, uh, if you use a splash of water to, you know, to uh, to water it just a bit. Some of the bourbon was finished in wine and sherry casks, which captures a dried fruit hint. Uh, which captures, yeah, a hint of dried fruit. I just finished my bottle of that like last week. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, so you've let me say this whole thing, and you could have just told me exactly what it's like. <laughs> it's a, it's it's a lot of those. It's things good. That you now, just what said. what turned you on to to this? Was it knowing that it you know came from Fred No, or what, what was it that, it was that a made gift. you? It was a gift. It was a gift. So that's um, an awesome gift. So I got it, and then um, they spent thirty five bucks on you, by the way. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, I've got no problem. You know what? Yeah. A well selected thirty five dollar gift is worth awesome. way more than yeah. two hundred dollars mm-hmm. throw away. Mm-hmm. Not that I. Throw kind, away the $200. Kind of like when a friend buys there. you, like, the cigar scissors that you've been lusting after all this time, and they weren't really all that expensive, but it was a perfectly, it was the, the perfectly thought out gift. Were, it's right. You know, you know when that, that happens? And that friend returns the favor by giving you a bunch of malt liquor? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, these, <laughs> with friends like these, as they say. Uh, at number six, the King of Kentucky, a 2019 release, uh, the second edition of the brand from Kentucky's Brown Foreman, an homage to a brand that started in 1881 that Brown Foreman acquired in 1936. So it's it's been out there uh, for a long time. It was a limited edition, only 2,100 bottles uh, uh, done, and it is a $250 bottle of uh, whiskey. King of Kentucky, King 2019. Of Kentucky. Uh, at number five, uh, also at $125, the Kentucky Owl Confiscated. Uh, this bourbon, they say, comes with a history lesson, uh, and uh, it tells the story of a distillery uh, first built in 1879 where they made whiskey until the feds came knocking in 1916, seizing a warehouse of Kentucky Owl barrels. Thanks to Prohibition, the brand faded away, at least until his great-great-grandson, Dixon Deadman resuscitated it in 2014. Confiscated is a nod to the barrels that were confiscated by uh, the U.S. government. Uh, and uh, this is a rounded and weighty sipper, they say, opening with allspice and cinnamon and evolving to concentrated espresso, mocha, and maple, braced up with a faint citrusy note. At number four, finally one I might be able to afford, uh, the Freeland Spirits Batch Number 3. Uh, run by a trio of women, this distillery in Portland, Oregon, uh, opened its doors in summer 2018 and launched its bourbon the following fall. Uh, it's a tear shape, uh, teardrop-shaped bottle, uh, and it's a blend of 3- and 12-year-old bourbons. Uh, and they say it is wonderful. Look for toffee, orange peel, and clove, finishing with an oaky accent. At number three, <laughs> boy, did they nail this one, 
Four Roses Small Batch Select. Oh, that's a great at whiskey. At $63 a bottle, uh, marking the first permanent addition to the Port- Four Roses portfolio since 2016. It's a new bottling released in April of last year, commemorating the grand reopening of this I Kentucky I want to point distillery. out to everybody listening, at 63 bottles, you are getting an amazing at $63. At 63 bucks for this yeah. bottle? Yeah, yeah. Talk about, uh, talk about being worth it, price yeah. to quality, right? Uh, at number two, uh, Bondi. B-O-N-D-I. It's a $38 bottle of uh, bourbon. It's a 100% corn small batch bourbon made in Minnesota, but it's named for the iconic beach in Australia called Bondi Beach, where the producers say they were when they first decided, let's make bourbon. Nice. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so they went all the way back to Minnesota and uh, the cold and started making bourbon. They say the oak flavor dominates. Vanilla and almond give way to a burst of baking spice and a dry finish. Number one, Bardstown Bourbon Company, Fusion Series number one. And I will tell you right off the bat that the, from the photo of this that's in the article, it actually looks very much like the style of the bottle that the Bob Dylan uh, I've had a uh, whiskey before. is in. So, um, oh yeah, interesting. So, you, you, what was your take on the brand? I almost think that we brought it on the show real early. We may have, we may have, uh, but I, I don't think it was that bottle. It was good. I remember this, it being good. This was this was years back. This they say it's a sixty dollar bottle. They say it's a part of a trio of bourbons released by uh, Bardstown. The bottling blends 40% 11-year-old Kentucky bourbon, the source is not specified, with 42% 2-year-old high rye bourbon and 18% 2-year-old weeded bourbon, both from Bardstown bourbon. The end result, they say, is a spice-forward sipper uh, that unwinds long ribbons of vanilla, almond, and maple. That sounds delicious. Uh, It's bottled at about 100 proof, so add water to taste. So there's the big eight. The big eight. The big eight. Right now. All right. So right now. I don't know. Oh, which one is it? Which one is it? Just press press any one at random. When you can't find one. No, that's not what I was that looking wasn't, for. That wasn't okay. <laughs> so oh. much for uh, my idea of pressing any one at random. Uh, so we're going to take a, a quick break and come back with our final beer. And I'm excited for you to try this uh, because again, our final beer is the uh, Scottish Wee Heavy from Zaftig Ooh, uh, Brewing Company. Zaftig is. Uh, 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 I mean, that's a, that's a, you, you got to be pretty confident in yourself to name your company Zaftig, because Zaftig means like a plump woman, right? I don't I know. know. A, I, I know I know it's plump. I know it meaning is plump. I don't know if it's Zoftig? only Zaftig. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's only the feminine gender or or not. Maybe Wiki Brian will uh, weigh in. Boy, we owe him some drinks or something for uh, uh, for being our for all the, our yeah, professional commentator here. Uh, all right, so we'll be right back with a little bit of the uh, Zaftig. Uh, Scotch Ale, the Wee Heavy, uh, and uh, a little bit more craziness in our final segment here. It's Smoking and Toasting. It is smoking and Tosin. We are the radio program and podcast that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars, as well as super ultra-authentic sound effects. How do you even 
get a sound effect it's that authentic. Amazing! It's almost like I actually almost, opened a beer. Almost it's like as you were if it was there the to hear real it. thing. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the show. We are so thrilled to have you guys uh, hanging out with us for show number one eighty-eight. Thank you so much uh, for getting us halfway to two hundred. We appreciate it. Um, Ian, there's a uh, there's a website I want to hip you to. It's called virtualtaproom.com. Virtualtaproom.com. Yeah, and I haven't gone through the whole process on it, but basically you go and register. And if you're quarantined and having a beer, they find you a virtual drinking buddy. So they, they like match you up with somebody else. It's kind of like kind of like a dating site, except it's you're like, not dating, you're just it's drinking like buddies. Match.com yeah, for beer. That's right. Match.com for people who are having a beer right now. Right it's, now. It's a, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty awesome thing. So people go check it out. Virtualtaproom.com. You know, there's there's always that pleasure. If you like go into a bar and you're sitting at the bar and you're you're having a beer or some whiskey or whatever, and you know somebody sits beside you, you don't know them, and you just strike up that conversation and you enjoy just chatting with this yeah. complete stranger. I'm kind of antisocial by nature, and even I enjoy that in, in the right <laughs> in the right situation. So especially if you you know uh, you know you and I are both fortunate. We both have like a wife that we're kind of stuck in the house with. When we're stuck in the house, right. so it's nice we're not sitting there all alone. Uh, if you're all alone, you're wanting like you don't want to drink alone. Virtualtaproom.com uh, seems to me like a, a pretty cool way for you to like find yourself an online drinking drink buddy. buddy. Yeah, yeah. So social and it's not by like, proxy, right? And it's not like having to do a big Zoom conference or anything. You're just like hanging out with somebody, you know. So this is interesting. I poured us this. Uh... Now this is a this is a wee heavy. I think it's a 2018. Is it not? Yes, it's 2018. Um, so Ian, explain to our listeners, in case they don't know, what it, what we heavy means when it comes to beer. Well, so we heavy and Scottish ale are interchangeable. Mm -hmm. That's the same style of beer, um, and it's just a different name for the same thing. We right. heavy is it's a it's a heavier flavor beer, and you can see even in the cup, you can see it's it's more viscous. Yeah, it's, it's got a, little, a viscosity to it for sure. Yeah, it's a little full. And uh, the I like the. Uh, uh, artwork on here has Zaftig and uh, cool lettering above it. Then it has the hot chick with a beer and uh, a much lighter beer than the wee heavy in her glass because it's, <laughs> it's straw colored. And then she's standing by a giant barrel there. So I'm describing all that because uh, my friend Josh that listens to this show mm -hmm. only listens to the show and never actually watches it. So I have to okay. describe it for him. So I just looked up Zaftig online in the dictionary. And it's Zaftig, it says, adjective, of a woman having a full rounded figure or plump. Oh, I'm for it. Okay, so that's a, uh, that, that's, that's what the beer is, uh, you know, that's what so the beer is putting out there. It says super malty with hints of fruit and grassy British hops, followed by a touch of roasted barley walking around in a kilt with face paint optional. <laughs> All right, Ian, this, have you tasted yet? Or no, I haven't. Have? Uh, uh, you know, it's funny because I first poured it in. It was really cold when you handed it to me. Mm -hmm. When I first poured it in the cup, I was a little alarmed at how little nose I got from it. But in the just a few moments that it's been in the as cup. As it's warmed up a little bit. Like I can actually start smelling it just well, a moment. I, if you had handed me a glass of this, especially if it were a degree or two warmer, and told me it was a barley wine, I probably would have believed you. It has uh, it has some of that uh, that raisin slash mm -hmm. date yeah. kind of has fruit, that really dark fruit, dark fruit uh, smell. It's very fruity, and nothing in it. It's got the maltiness. Nothing in it that would make it not taste like a. I barley mean, it wine. has like a hint of apricot and a hint of. 
In fact, it it has more of a barley wine flavor to it to me than Dark some of the American kind barley of wines we've kind had. Of thing going yeah. on. And I'm just I'm just nosing it right now. And mm-hmm. as I hold it in my hand and it warms up, it's just the the nose is blossoming. Well, I can't wait for you to taste this because this to me seems like. This is so spot on for you in terms of what I, I oh, know you to like. Oh, this is delicious. Yeah. You remember yeah. I said that uh, that dark cherry note in mm-hmm. there? That's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. Oh, it's very, very big. Sip. Yes. Dark cherry, a little bit of the date wow. and raisin. the date and raisin, And, yeah. and There's apricot. There's a orange zest it, and maybe yeah. apricot in there yeah. as well. The apricot pit kind of area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I wasn't expecting. That's a broad range and, of flavors And some on. baking spice as well. Mm-hmm. That very yeasty sort of baking spice-ish uh, sort of like the 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 flour on top of the biscuits. Yeah, uh, there's taste. the uh, there's the on the on the retro hail. You can get that char from the barrel and right. a little of the oakiness on the aftertaste in the retro hail. That really, like this is really really good. Yeah, I had a feeling you were gonna like this, even even though I hadn't tasted it yet. So like. Um, and it's not just the hot chick on the bottle. Now, Ian, do you know, I know that barley wines age well, uh, as long as you don't age them for this too is long. from Ohio. Ohio yeah. is brewing this kind of beer. Yeah, isn't that it's crazy? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know barley wines age well, and stouts can age well. Do Are we heavy something? Yes. Uh, Scottish ales, or do they improve yes. with age? Oh, yes. yes. As long as you don't age too much. You know, I was reading an article about that. Even... Even beers that you might want to cellar or age for a speaking while. Speaking of which. You don't want to do for too long. You don't want to do for 20 years. I hate years. to take away from how amazing this beer is, by the way. Yeah. Speaking of which, I have a collection of St. Arnold beers. Mm. Divine Reserves and uh, and uh, some um, Bishop's Barrels. And we're going to need to drink them. Oh, I'm all, I'm, I'm all for it. Some of them are going to get past that prime. So what is that prime in, in your, like, when do you start to say, okay, There's we got to four drink years this on some of them. Okay. And maybe a little longer on some others, but mm-hmm. most of them are four years or newer. And then there are some other styles of beer, of course, that that really aren't good unless they're extremely fresh. Like, I remember when you and I finally got a hold of a bottle the, uh, of Pliny the Elder. Yes. And uh, it, was, it was okay, but it was definitely past its peak, and we knew it. We drank it anyway and enjoyed IPAs it. IPAs need to be drank fresh, unless the fresher the better. Generally, unless for IPAs. you get into the super big IPAs, you know, mm-hmm. if you get into like a, um, uh, like the double IPAs and the really big ones, those actually age well. But the but a regular IPA, Pliny the Elder, uh, the Art Car IPA, all that stuff, those need to be drank fresh. As fresh as Your possible. Your juicy yeah. IPAs, you don't store those. You, you drink you, them. You want them. You want them. Not only do you want them fresh. But they're going to taste the best when yeah. you actually have them at the tap room. Yeah. When they're I mean, right out of the tap fresh, and fresh, as fresh, fresh as it can be. That's yeah. when you get it. Um, but there are certain beers that taste fine, fresh, but taste great after you store them for a year. Or so. And I'm guessing this is that kind of beer, this stuff. Yeah, and this is a 2018, so we got two years on this already. Mm-hmm. This is what it just says 2018. I don't know what month, but we got two years on this already. And it. I mean, this is outstanding. This is absolutely fantastic. I love seeing you this happy with a beer. Yeah, <laughs> especially I'm a little since giddy with it. I think I disappointed you with the bourbon today. So uh, you know, we don't get we don't get a lot of uh, disappointing drinks on well, here. We've been accused of liking everything, which is actually not at yeah. all true. And I will just I will just say that Smooth Ambler, to me, 
it's it's the contradiction bourbon. And, and so so these guys didn't get named America's best craft whiskey distillery by USA Today. I think based on just this, it was probably based on yeah, a lot of I their mean, other was offerings. It this the question is because they have this thing on the here it says America's best distillery and then the reader's choice best craft distillery and it says number one smooth ambler um but that's not the contradiction bourbon that just happens to be one they put out so i don't know i'd be definitely interested in trying some different things from them yeah i'm just not a big fan of this particular bottle well and and maybe that's what we'll have to do maybe we'll have to try something else from these guys you know i'd love to give them a second chance and see why they have that name on there because it's not that bourbon i don't think that bourbon stands up uh to a lot of bourbons in that same price. Well, and it's worth noting that this little banner on here doesn't say that this particular right. bourbon right. was named now, best. Now, all of that being said, is it a bad bourbon? I don't, I don't, like, if that was a bottle on my shelf right now, I wouldn't dump it down the drain. It's not that kind of bad. Well, I enjoyed it. I would drink this. It's okay. Home. Yeah. Uh, that's one, though, that I would immediately take over to a buddy's house late at night and be like, okay, if we want to just sit and have some whiskey, yeah, right. let's, let's yeah. you know, kill the bottle. Break this out when the friends come over. Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> you know, and like, hide yeah. your good stuff. Yeah, right. yeah. <clears throat> so, no, I mean, like, I, See, this it's is not my undrinkable. Problem. I just, I, I don't really like it that much. So this is my problem. When when the kids come over and the kids enjoy, you know, craft beers and, and, and spirits and when they come over, like I can't pull that stuff on them because they can listen to the show, and and they go. So if they were to come over and I go, hey guys, I'm going to try this uh, smooth ambler. Have you heard about Malort? You know they'll be they'll you know they're they're on to me. Is what I'm saying. So I have a buddy that lives around. So I, have to, I have to break out the good stuff. I have a buddy that lives around the corner from me, and uh, it's funny because you know, we like I like to go over there and we sit around. Sometimes it's just me and him and his wife, and he doesn't even get off work until a lot of times eleven at night. So I'll go over there. At 11 o'clock. And, well, I'll hang out till about 2. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's three hours is not that long. It just happens to be right. kind of late at night. And I stay up late most of the time anyway. But um, it, but I'll bring whiskey over. And uh, we had that bottle of Screwball. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That we were not fans of. We were not at all. Can't accuse us of liking everything. No. No, we were not fans. <laughs> and apparently, uh, what's his name uh, from... Uh, uh, the uh, Foo Fighters really likes it. Oh, that's right. Dave, I remember Dave, Dave Grohl. It's like his favorite huge, whiskey. Yeah, he's a huge fan of yeah. it. Yeah. And then it started selling me like, man, I brought it over there and I was like, hey, uh, I'm just going to leave this here because they have friends over all the time. Sure. Uh, and and they're in with the Renfest crowd, so they right. have a lot of Rennies. Yeah. Rennies. So Is that I'm what like, they're called? Rennies? Yes, they're called oh, Rennies. Okay, gotcha. So the people that work at the Renfest, and I'm like, just let your friends drink it. You know, yeah, I yeah. know, I know this is not in there. Like, dude, they still have some. That was like <laughs> seven or eight months ago. I dropped that bottle off, and they still have some in the bottle. Yeah. Like yeah, that's well, how. Uh. Yeah. Anyway. Well. Yeah. Send it to Dave Grohl. Dave. Send it to Dave, Grohl. Dave. Keep recording songs. We'll send it. you some of this. He, dude, he that dude it. is awesome. By the way, he is. By the way, he wrote. Uh, there, there's a couple of things to just wrap up the show. Uh, that you might want to look for um, if you're uh, at all interested in Dave Grohl. The first was that he wrote an article with his pandemic playlist. Oh, it's it's brilliant. And not just brilliant because of the songs that he chose, but what he says about each one of them and how incredibly insightful he is. This guy could have been like a book author and been successful. And then he wrote an article about being um, 
being anxious for us to be able to return to a time when people can go out and see live music again and why he feels like that's important. And, you know, when, when a musician writes something like that, you feel, oh, yeah, this is self-serving. He just wants to get his, uh, get his money train cranked back up. But it doesn't come across that way at all. It's like he really is identifying with why this is important for people, why it matters to be able to be yeah. at a live music show. And I read it and thought it was one of the most insightful things that I'd read all year. Uh, so search Dave Grohl live music or search Dave Grohl pandemic playlist in Google. Up, yeah. And you'll enjoy reading uh, both of those. Uh, I have enjoyed today's show. Show number 188. We are uh, halfway to 200 and feeling good about it at this point. Uh, Ian, is, uh, again, I, I said this last week, but it's fun being back in the studio with you. Yeah. It's nice being able to share this We Heavy instead of just it's drinking so it myself good. on Skype with you on the other end of Skype and not being able to Sweet see magic. your reaction to it. <laughs> Have a, a great week, my friends. Thank you to everyone involved. Thank you to everybody that was uh, checking us out online today as we did the show live. And thanks to Adam on the Wheels of Steel. Uh, have a wonderful week. Uh, keep smoking and keep toasting and... Do I have anything left to toast with? Here. Um, mm, uh, I do. I, a little tiny bit of this. Oh, wow, you refilled. Nice going, brother. Cheers. Yeah. That was yeah.